0: Sometimes when you're driving down the road all by yourself you begin to hear a voice that tells you you need to look around pay attention maybe something isn't quite right that voice is me it's the voice of Gord. Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of Voice of Gord. Or should I say good morning? I'm recording this intro at 3:30 a.m. on June 1st, foul year of our Lord 2023. Why 3:30 a.m. you ask? Cause I'm a busy, busy, busy guy, and I just never get time to do anything. So, on that note. Just wanted to let you guys know I'm making some moves in my life to maybe not work so much and try and get some more writing done, get some more podcasts out with a little more regularity. I've been managing one a week, but they don't always come out on Monday, sometimes Wednesdays. Today is going to be a Thursday. I'm looking to get a little bit more consistency with that and get some more writing projects in. There's just so much I would like to say and comment on. The world's a pretty crazy place. Lots of happening in the world of trucking and technology and regulatory agencies. There's just so much out there. I'm really hoping in the near future to get more content to you guys. On today's episode, we're going to hear from a very lovely woman I met at the Mid-America Truck Show. Goes by the name of Miss Flatbed Red. She's a sketch artist, a multi-talented musician, a piano teacher, just a really nice lady. And she's sort of made a name for herself, making really beautiful sketch photos of guys' trucks. And um, she has a YouTube channel where she takes you on tours of custom older rigs. She's a member of the American Truck Historical Society, just an all-around great lady, and wonderful booster for the trucking industry and specifically for old trucks. Her and I had a nice long discussion about her life and her art and the aesthetics of older trucks and how they are so far superior to everything the manufacturers put out today. Coming up next week on Voice of Gord, I've got a couple of shows for you. A few of them here waiting to be edited. I really want to get these two out, so I'm making... I promise to y'all and myself that I'm going to get two of them. First up is Granny McKay. Um, Margaret McKay has turned out to be one of the very few advocates out there for some gentlemen being held in prison by the Canadian government. You might know them as the Coots Four. They were rounded up uh, near the end of the blockade at Coots, Alberta during Freedom Convoy, and in prison they remain. Very, very shameful episode- of government malfeasance in Canada, and Margaret's going to tell us all about it. Also, I'm hoping to get out a show with my Uncle Chris, who is 79 years old and a founder of one of Canada's first freight brokerages way back in 1984 when freight brokerages became a thing you could do post deregulation of the trucking industry. My Uncle Chris and I had a nice long chat, and you don't get to hear too many people of his vintage and mileage, as it were, and I think you guys are really going to enjoy that conversation. All right, well, let's get to it, shall we? On to Miss Flatbed Red. Uh, G'day, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Voice of Gord. I'm Gord. This is my voice. The other voice you're going to hear today is of a very lovely woman uh, from Ohio, uh, artist, musician, and and someone I met at the Mid-America Trucking Show who makes really incredible uh, sketches and drawings of mostly older trucks. Um, And and I've come to find out uh, she's got quite the online presence and has been making just a ton a ton of prints and paintings and she works with the American Truck Historical Society, just an all around cool lady. Um, w- w- welcome, Miss Flatbed Red.
1: Hello, thank you for having me.
0: Right. So f- first off, how'd you get the name Flatbed Red?
1: um honestly it was just a matter of i knew i was going to be going to truck shows and back then i was drawing outside sitting outside looking at the trucks and i wanted to have some little catchy name for my social media to post pictures of me working so i was literally brainstorming with my husband trying to come up with a name that wasn't taken already so anything like with the word diesel in it or whatever (laughs) was already taken so i'm checking websites or what domain names are available checking what instagram handles are available and after i think it took two or three weeks i found flatbed red so there we are <laughs> i right. came up with it myself <laughs> right
0: well well, your hair does have a little bit of red going on too yeah
1: yeah is that nothing na- to do i have a bat i have a box truck
0: <laughs> right now so. uh, a, a box truck but you do have red hair is that natural
1: no comment This part's natural. Yeah, they can't see this, but there's a big old white streak in my hair. That's definitely natural.
0: (laughs) Uh, Miss Flatbed Tulsi, you know uh, the Hawaii Hawaiian politician Tulsi Gabbard with her like silver streak. People
1: pay big money for that, so yeah, I'm definitely not letting that go away.
0: (laughs) Right. So Miss Flatbed Red, um, you're you're well renowned for painting trucks. You're also a musician. We just discussed, um, you teach people how to play piano. Um, you're, you're quite the artist. So could you maybe tell us how did you get from, you know, what, what's your sort of personal background and, and what's the through line from being whoever you were before flat Bad red, <laughs> um, uh, learning music and uh, l- painting. I mean, you, you, you the, some of your work is just incredible. And then I, 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 I don't believe you started out doing trucks. So maybe you could tell us that story.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I have always had to fight between choosing art or music. I mean, you shouldn't have to really decide between them, I guess. But through college, I was trying to figure out how I could combine the two. All of my. So I studied music in college. Uh, music education. And all of my music, not all of them, a lot of my music professors suggested that I pursue art because as they have been in the music career, they're like, you'll have more chance as an artist, Blah, 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 like whatever. So I was drawing portraits a lot in college to help just pass the time and make a little bit of money on the side. So I did graphite pencil portraits. I took a couple art classes in college, but whatever, got my music degree. Then I went on and did a one-year art program in England. And it was like for people right out of college or out of high school, basically. So like 18-year-olds and then me who had just gotten my degree with all these 18-year-olds, very weird things that they were having us do in art class, like make a project on the word space. It's very weird. Like, one-word prompts. Very odd. Art school. Yeah. So, art school was one year and done. So, so, so
0: these kids are 18 and you're in your mid-20s 22. 22.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, they were just learning what it was like to be out of the house for the first time. Meanwhile, I'm in another country by myself. I already did college. It was fun, though. It was an awesome experience. And then... I did a master's. I stayed in England and did a master's in music education. And then I moved back here. I married a guy who was into trucks at the time. He wasn't a trucker. Um, and I worked at a local newspaper for a couple of years and I was still doing portraits on the side and pet portraits, paintings and drawings. And um, eventually I go to a truck show. He's bad at introducing people. So I didn't know anyone at the truck show and it sucked. I hated it. I'm never going to another truck show ever again. And he sold his trailer with living quarters because we only used it once and regret that deeply. Um, but eventually I went to a show, Matt's in 2017, took a sketchbook, did some drawing. People talked to me. If I pay you, will you draw my truck? I have never driven it or drawn a truck at that point until that very day. And I would show you what it looked like, but the viewer listeners won't be able to see it. It was bad. I'll just say that. It was not great. It wasn't bad. It's was just very not great. <laughs> and uh, so gonna, someone I'm said, if I, point- I pay you, will you draw mine? Yeah. I'm going to
0: point people, seeing as how we're here and it's audio, if anyone's listening along and they're not actually driving and they want to see some of your handiwork, what's your website?
1: It's www.missflatbed.red. And I think the picture of the very first drawing I did of a truck is on my website in the gallery so they can actually look at it and see how much it's changed. I won't say it was bad. It's just improved. Now I know what trucks are. <laughs> and um Right. So you yeah, said you, so, you
0: you you met this dude and he's into trucks but he's not a trucker at that time. Right. Is at that he time, now?
1: Right. He is he was. So then he was working, he was restoring his uncle's victorian house for many years they were working on that and it's still a work in progress but uh like museum quality restoration while people live in it it's a lot of work um and then he worked for a u.s mail contractor and the week after we got back from matt's this year he started a job at a truck parts place so he is selling truck parts now so if you're ever in Forest, Ohio, and you need truck parts, they'll deliver around the area. It's excellent. Ohio surplus. Give them a little plug.
0: <laughs> All right, Yeah, plug away. So yeah. um, you one of your famous photos that you've turned into T-shirts that I bought a couple of them for my kids, which they'll hopefully grow into, but for now they're just using them as jammies. <laughs> got this, uh, it's a cab over with like a 26-foot box body on the back of it.
1: 20 foot. Yep. It's my, uh, it's a nineteen eighty three fifty two Peter Peterbilt with a 20 foot stainless box that eventually will hopefully become like a little mobile art studio slash little camper RV. So yeah, that's a good, a work that's, in a good progress. That's, a,
0: that's a good dream.
1: You yeah. Can, like, finance, <laughs> it's a dream.
0: Like, finance your travels by like just going to festivals and truck shows. And, um, so you said, you said you did caricatures and like portraits and stuff. Like that's the thing, you know, you go to like some random, you know, fall fair or town festival or whatever. And there's usually caricature artists around, you know, it's sort of like a, a mainstay thing. Did you ever wheel and deal in that
1: world? So it's really interesting that you ask that because I actually never tried to do real caricatures, I guess, like that. I'm more of a realist artist realism. And when it comes to people, at least, but the way I started drawing trucks was by going to shows and sitting outside with a little clear ruler and like holding it up and measuring the trucks from a distance and drawing at sight basically caricatures and trying to finish them in two hours or less. But caricatures are like 20 minutes. I've tried some 20-minute drawings. It was rough.
0: (laughs) Wow. So, well, the thing with trucks is there's mostly, I mean, at least back in the day, it was mostly straight lines. Um, That's true. Not not as uh, sort of um, curvy or a certain tone you have to try and get with a human face, you know, I mean, trucks do have a personality or at least they did. (laughs) We can get into that (laughs) later. But um, The the, uh, effect you want to get with like a caricature is the same though. Right? Like you sort of want to catch a vibe, whether it's the person or the, or the object and this object being the truck, but like being able to do that very quickly is, is a pretty good skill that not very many people have.
1: Yeah, I stopped doing that at shows, though. I really like doing it, but I get sunburned way too easily. So part of the goal of the truck would be that I could sit in the truck at shows. But now that things have changed so much from that original plan, like I thought I would sit in the truck at shows, working from photos on my computer or something, drawing there but now things have morphed and I try to just work in my air conditioned and heated temperature controlled studio. And then it shows I can just walk around and talk and take videos for YouTube and stuff. So it's a whole lot more chill now at shows.
0: Right. So you obviously you're very active on like Instagram and YouTube and whatnot. Um, to my great discredit, I haven't seen um, your YouTube videos. What do you usually do on YouTube?
1: So my main format right now I guess I call them truck tours and I do like a walk around video of the truck inside and out with a voiceover of the driver talking about everything we're looking at and uh, sometimes the drivers in the video pointing things out or talking or driving um yeah so it's just a general overview of the truck with all the info the backstory whatever they're willing to share and no more no less so some videos are like a minute and a half long and some are 15 minutes long however long they're willing to talk we talk
0: Right. And how many of those uh, walking tours of guys' trucks have you done?
1: Almost 200, I'm pretty sure. Oh, wow. So, yeah, wow. there are at least, I think at least 160 some, but I still have a backlog from uh, maybe five or ten videos I haven't shared yet. And then once the season kicks off here, I'll be at a show on Saturday and throughout the summer, I'll have more and more. Hopefully, that'll be enough to get me through the winter next year.
0: <laughs> How many shows <laughs> do you do in a year? year?
1: Um, at least a dozen. Lots of local shows, but uh, yeah, at least a dozen.
0: And so, Matt's is obviously the biggest truck show in the land. Um, What would be some other bigger ones? I mean, obviously, it wouldn't be as big as Matt's, but...
1: Size-wise, yeah, Matt's is enormous. Truck number-wise, the um, ATHS convention is is generally 700 to over a 1,000 trucks. And that'll be in Reno this year. Um, And then next year's in York, Pennsylvania. So that's another great one for people traveling from all over the place to attend ATHS conventions. I hope to make it to Mukunji in uh, Pennsylvania. Hopefully this year, but it's the same weekend as the Kenworth 100th anniversary celebration here in Ohio, I'm pretty sure. So... I'm a little torn. It's the first year I'd ever be able to go to Mukunji, which is like 800 or 1,000 trucks there too. But Ohio's Kenworth here, it's so close and it only happens once. So. Yeah, I
0: was going to say it's the Chilla Coffee assembly plant um, down south of Columbus there. Yeah. Wow. And how far of a drive would that be for you?
1: that would still be about two hours or so. I think it's 200 miles Two right. and a half hours.
0: And so you 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 do a lot of work. When I when I met you at Matt's, you were working basically in the same booth with the ATHS. I just uh, so do you have like a history with those guys?
1: Yes. Yeah, so that was you happened to catch me in a meet and greet that I did on that Saturday just for a couple hours. I just sat up there to um, <clears throat> help draw some people to their booth and say hello to people from the internet in person Uh, hopefully I got some more ATHS members signed up or renewed that was my real goal but um, my husband is a board member of the ATHS so I've just sort of by proxy been getting involved with them and I designed the poster for this year's convention and next year's convention also I just finished that like last week (laughs) Um, so yeah it's it's And that's been cool, too, to be able to, like, for the poster, I did some digital drawings, which was a nice first for me. I have an iPad that I've just been using for little things and digital renderings, which we could talk about later. Right. (laughs) But I use that for the whole poster.
0: Yeah, We could do that right now. So my little brother, um, Benjamin, who actually lives not too, too far from me, he never picked up the, like, hard grind trucking um, work ethic. Off my old man or from me, but he is very artistic and he, he works a lot in digital media. He designs snowboards and whatever you want, basically. And he, all of his work is done digitally. He doesn't mm-hmm. sketch, he doesn't paint, uh, as far as I know. Or if he has started, he doesn't talk about it. He's also, he also doesn't communicate with me very much. He's a bit withdrawn. Hi, Ben. Answering emails. <laughs> anyway I, I'm gonna send, out Jeez. I'm gonna send this to him just because you know uh, uh an artist and an artist and anyway yeah uh, the digital stuff he does is pretty impressive given most people's idea of you know you're hey Ben to...
1: this could have been you if you're an American chick who actually liked trucks <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah I um yeah I don't know if he's I, I don't know if he's ever driven my drawn a truck for my old man or anything but Anyway, um, it's, it's so you you work with the American Truck Historical Society, and this is sort of like an interesting um, juxtaposition here, if I might borrow a term. Um, you're using digital media sometimes with like very old analog trucks.
1: Oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, the the poster for Reno this year is a bunch of or three really old trucks, and I did it all completely digitally. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. And then like the other thing that I've been doing more and more of recently is people will send me a picture of their truck or a couple cars and one house, actually, and they'll tell me what they want to change on it. But before like shelling out all that money to the body shop or whatever, or to Lowe's or Home Depot, (laughs) um, they have me digitally change the truck to look like whatever they want it to be. The paint scheme changes, the accessories change, whatever. Um, and I do that for them also digitally. So that's something I've been doing more of recently, and it's really cool and fun. So Right. It's interesting, that is a, it's yeah.
0: interesting how they want to customize the image you're making for them, but that's not an actual representation of the actual vehicle. You're but it
1: could be. Right. So like before I had my truck painted, I did a digital rendering of it to try all different paint schemes to see what I wanted it to actually look like, because it can come it comes really close to actually what it will look like in the end. So I've had one person come to me for like, I want this paint scheme, but I have no idea what color I want. So I'll send them 50 pictures of 50 different colors with the same paint scheme. And I can do like 50 50 colors of one scheme is maybe 20 minutes work. So it's something I can do much less painfully than you paying the body shop for something you aren't quite sure if you like or not. Right. I was going to say,
0: do you get get asked to do a lot of that work where you're basically like somebody has a truck and they do want to design and do things with it and they get you to do all these mockups? Like, is that a significant part of your work?
1: It has become more so, yeah, in the last six months or so. Um, because, I mean, I just started doing it more publicly, maybe late last summer. Yeah. Um, and I started a website and social media accounts. I'm really bad at the Facebook, but Instagram for it. It's called The Virtual Body Shop. So you can go to virtualbodyshop.com um, or send an email to thevirtualbodyshop at com. And I can pump those out pretty quickly, so yeah. That's
0: that's awesome. And yes, it so, is. It's
1: fun. Thank you. <laughs>
0: I, um, I'm going to ask a really. It, it's not. It it might seem like a silly question, but it's it's going to a very serious matter. How often do you get asked to do sketches or these body makeups for like newer trucks?
1: New, well, I'm actually right in front of me right now. I'm almost finished with a 389. Um, okay, F- 389 but- is cool.
0: exempted. Setting aside the Peterbilt 389 or Kenworth W900. They- I
1: drew a granite pickup truck, or uh, dump truck, um, an acrylic painting of one of those oh, really? a few years ago. What else have I done that's newer? I've done plenty of new trucks. I just can't think offhand. i have to look at my list. But yeah, I've done all sorts. Okay, Mostly but, old trucks, just because of the people who follow my social media and all that. But I'm happy to do anything. And I still do portraits. People want portraits. Right. Houses.
0: But with, the, with, the, with the older trucks, I mean, obviously, the Peterbilt 389 and Kenworth W900 maintain a certain look, right? You know, Square Hood, uh, mm-hmm. cl- classic sort of American conventional tractor unit. But all um, none of the other manufacturers have done so. So, like you've seen it yourself when you're driving around on the interstate, there's a whole lot of like what I call sort of beige lozenge shaped mush. (coughs)
1: You know? So what you're getting at is that when you said earlier, trucks are mostly straight lines, they're getting away from that now. And I'm going to have to start drawing sloped hoods and stuff. Well, back.
0: I, I, I <laughs> no, actually I, I, uh, the opposite. I, I doubt it because like who wants to dress up something that at base is, do you sort of understand like art and design as like, um, being kind of of the times and and an an expression, right. Of feeling of value of, you know, objective beauty. Right. And, and one of the, one of the things that I I don't know, maybe I'm being paranoid. Maybe this is just me, but like a lot of new truck design, it's, it's, it's of the times because it's like focused in, in part it's forced to by the government, but this like obsession with, you know, Oh well, we have to make everything aerodynamic for like better fuel efficiency. Even but though... then when
1: they fall apart so quickly, and then you have to replace them faster than you had to replace older trucks. So in short, you're actually wasting more in the long run.
0: You right, but like right? As, as far as the aesthetic value, I'm getting at here and is like ugly. a they're ugly, and b there's a million other different ways you could save money on fuel. But you know we're we're, we're dealing with like. Have you ever had a meeting with like truck designers ever? Like in, well, in, in, I have in, not. In, in your cap, compa- well, I mean, you're fairly well renowned, and in your capacity as somebody who captures these images and makes them, I would have thought, like, you know, maybe like some someone f- from one of the big trucking, you know, tr- truck so... manufacturers would be like, "Hey, Red, what do you think about this design we're working on for, you know." Yeah. 2028 model year or something do you have any input for us does that ever
1: i wish they would give me input or ask for my input because i mean i would i would think i would be nicer than some people maybe about design changes i i doubt i would be listened to necessarily but um being asked would just mean a lot wow. but like a few years ago a couple when was it like 2020 or 21 when is it edison motors started to announce the idea of making an electric semi that didn't look like a new aerodynamic yeah, piece of so plastic garbage. It's,
0: it's uh, awesome that you bring up Edison motors because I had chase Barber on my show a few months ago. He's, he's the main guy behind Edison motors.
1: Oh, well, I, when they started coming up in like the attention of people on social media, It was early on in my experience on TikTok, I think, so probably 2020 or one. And people kept tagging me because they wanted designs. Edison was asking for people to submit designs of how they wanted a truck to look pertaining to like their their ideas or something and so many people tagged me and i never did it because i had no idea where to start to actually like i had such a, way, a list of stuff i had to work on at that time i was so overwhelmed well i'm gonna and make was, sure to send yeah. this show
0: to chase i'm gonna hook you guys up Thank so you. i had chase on my show we went deep we, we we talked for like two hours about all things trucking i mean we're both i'm originally from canada i live in upstate new york now but chase is out in bc And Chase is also like a really good, like backyard engineer, him and his business partner have had some success with like other electric innovations, as it were, like adding solar panels to help offset, um, load on remote diesel generator systems. And he's done all kinds of stuff and he's, he's pretty brilliant. He has a truck on his website.
1: It's, it looks sort of like a Pacific. I yeah, think I saw it. Well, yeah. the, the,
0: what they're doing is they're, they're they're using old 1960s model Kenworths to put their new diesel electric systems in, but they're also planning on building frame up brand new trucks. And the one criticism I had of his design is like he's doing the same thing that Tesla's doing with like the cab like right in the middle. The steering wheel is in the middle. Instead of offset to one side, right? Which I don't, I don't know if that's going to ever be accepted, or like how many generations down the line it will become accepted. Because everyone drives or steers on one side of the road. It just it's been like that forever. And, and would I'm, you
1: end up having someone sitting on both sides of you? Like would they put chair seats on either side of you? Or
0: well, this is what like yeah. I the 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 Tesla truck only has the one seat right so so how what i i I think from what i understand i don't know i haven't seen but like the the, there's not really a bunk because of like all the batteries and extra stuff and it's yeah it's just one seat so i'm like wondering about like training and hitchhikers man you gotta be able to pick up hitchhikers and friends of the road you know like Um, I
1: feel like you've reminded me of a a car I saw at, like, the Henry Ford Museum ages and ages ago that had seven seats in it, and they were facing different directions, and it had weird doors and all this stuff, a car from probably the 40s or something that never took off, but I feel like it had a steering wheel in the middle, and that's a a memory I haven't thought of in a long time, but it didn't happen. Whatever it was, that car did not take off, so if history has taught us anything steering wheels in the middle if that car had one no one wants
0: it did you ever have you ever heard of a guy named buckminster fuller
1: i haven't why remind me i've heard the name but
0: i uh bucky balls like geodesic dome buildings okay He, he was just this weirdo back in the 60s that was like efficiency everything and he he made this like really weird looking like Trike three wheeled spacecraft looking van thing that went down the road. And I, I there's the, you have to look up a video of it on YouTube, like just type in Buckminster Fuller and van. And I can't remember if like the steering wheels in the middle, but like he, he was just this like bizarre futurist thinker guy from back in the day.
1: Have you ever seen a Robin Reliant? It's a little three wheeled English car from probably the 60s. No. Uh, uh, No. So, in there was an episode of Top Gear where they made fun of them basically, and they would, it has one wheel in the front, two wheels in the back, and it's still offset drivers and passenger in the front. And he intentionally come up on corners and like roll the car over by turning too quickly. Cause there's just <laughs> the one wheel and there's like a Robin reliant club that got angry at them and like wrote a letter telling them that they didn't appreciate their cars being abused. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I have uh, some friends of mine who run this podcast called good old boys and, you know, they, they, they sort of play on being Southern. The one the one guy's in Florida and the other fellow's from Virginia, um, Bog Beef and Merrick. G'day boys. And, um, you know, they, they borrow heavily from sort of, you know, popular perceptions of Southern culture. And on their, you know, on their Twitter and their Patreon and stuff, they use the image of the General Lee, that uh, a Duke's a hazard car, the Dodge Charger. And one of the criticisms that like serious car people made about that show was that television show like wrecked 60 or 70 or 80 of them cars from all the jumps and driving like maniacs and all that stuff. And I remember but
1: that that should make them happy now. Cause there are fewer of them because there were so many wrecks. So the ones that exist are worth more. Right.
0: <laughs> but I think, I think that year of Dodge charger, something like 330,000 of them or something that got produced. Like, There was an ungodly number of them around. I mean, that's not to say they're still around today, but um, speaking of, you know, the older vehicles and and older trucks, um, there's only so much production run uh, of these vehicles when they're first built, right? And I'm sure, you know, you've been around enough ATHS shows and you've bumped into like truck nerds and whatnot. Like, did you hear from these guys about how difficult it is to, like, get parts, how much fabricating they have to do on their own? Like, you know, how much extra work do they have to do by themselves just to keep their trucks on their own?
1: Well, a lot of the trucks that are. A lot of the antique trucks that would be at shows are just for shows. So some of them get hauled and don't drive around that much. So they don't need to necessarily be maintained as much as like work trucks would Need to, but because you are a member of the ATHS, you have access to the network of other members, and they generally have large collections of things, including rare parts that you may not be able to access except through these members, someone who knows about these trucks. So, by being a member, you can post on the social media, Facebook account, or whatever, say, Hey, I have this truck. I need this stuff. Can anyone help me? Or contact the ATHS directly and they can help you find someone. So it's a really good network. So to some extent, yes, of course, there are parts that are hard to find. But there are members who can help you find things that you can use that are new and like currently produced that might be able to fit your needs or they can get you your build sheet for your truck if you don't have it to help you find part numbers or they may already know the part numbers or they may already know someone who's reproducing those parts. So in short, if you have an old truck, join the ETHS (laughs) and it'll be less difficult to find those parts.
0: Right, that's that's good information. If I ever get an old truck, I will be sure to sign up. Um, I bought a couple. You can still
1: sign up if you just like old trucks too.
0: Oh, good. Oh, that's <laughs> something to consider. I, I bought a couple of um, coloring books that they have for kids, which I believe you did the sketch line drawings for the children to fill the colors in.
1: I sure did. That was my first experience with my iPad when I bought it, and I had never used a tablet before and i felt like a toddler being given a crayon for the first time and i just i couldn't figure out how to use the apple pencil it was a mess i've learned though since then i can do much more refined things but that was my my learning curve right well (laughs) that that was was really
0: that was really (laughs) excellent it's a it's a really good coloring book my kids love it um, they love the truck shirts. I I've I've done this, I've gone to a couple of different truck shows now since I've had my children. And I always end up getting them little mini, you know, trucker t shirts, and they love it. They love it. They <laughs> wear them for pajamas, they wear them outside. They they love those shirts, eh? So
1: Well, um, trucks are colorful and cool looking. So why wouldn't all little kids love them? I right? mean, more of them
0: <laughs> more of them should be. I get I get so annoyed right. with the sort of beige sameness out on the road in uh year of our Lord 2023 how did you so you spent some time in the UK studying and working on music this was before the trucking interest came yeah on. so that was... you, Do do you recall while you were there in your travels just like absorbing like any UK or European truck culture at all
1: So the weirdest trucking-related experience I had in the UK was in, uh, like, May of 2015. I was in Northern Ireland. I went back to the town that my, my dad's family had come from, like, three generations ago, four generations ago. And I was in my Airbnb, which was really close to the main road through the town I was in, and I heard all this commotion. So... I go outside and commotion in Northern Ireland still in 2023 isn't always a good thing. So I grab my camera and I run outside and I see a sign like a big barricade on a street that said it's something police something I don't know whatever but I kept going (laughs) like again not a good thing you want to see in Northern Ireland and it was like hundreds of semi-trucks driving through town trying to break some world record for a con the longest convoy or something so it was a bunch of plastic cabovers, a bunch of scanyons and stuff driving through this town honking their horns incessantly and uh that was two years before i ever really got into trucking but it was yeah it was hundreds of them very strange
0: interesting uh, yeah well Honking is now associated with the Freedom Convoy in Canada, given the um uh it, it got called um the honkening, the honklitude, because um all of these trucks descended on the nation's capital. And you know, the 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 sort of rallying cry against Justin Trudeau and his mandates and basically utter destruction of Canadian society was the airhorn. Which I uh, I I love it. I'm I'm you know, honk 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 all day long. That,
1: uh... Well, I mean your national bird sounds pretty similar. So
0: <laughs> <laughs> there's a great little meme. I'll have to send it to you. Of uh, so are you are you aware of like um apus and groipers, the little frogs that are kind of used as a they're 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 like a sort of s- symbolic of like not accepting regular culture uh, propaganda from the regime. Um, you know, some people like to say it's all right, but those people have no idea what they're talking about. It's just like, it's just these innocent little frogs. So somebody made a picture of one of these frogs sitting on the back of a Canada goose, and he's holding a huge Canadian flag above the goose, and there's like a honk, honk.
1: <laughs> yeah, I have not seen it.
0: <laughs> I'll, I'll have to send that to you. So it's interesting when you what you just said about the the Irish this Irish convoy you witnessed and you said plastic European trucks. Um, there
1: were like three antique trucks, three old Volvos or something, but that was it. Everything else was new.
0: Right. Yeah. Um. Or or new appearing. Yeah, right. A, a lot of a lot of you know what's interesting is in in trucking culture here in North America, you know, cab overs aren't really widely used anymore um i think kenworth stopped building them here in 2005 2000 something. somewhere mm-hmm. around there um and the company i used to work for in canada used to buy like exclusively at one time their entire fleet was cabover kenworth's because
1: cabover, is it paddock i see yeah. your hat i see your hat yeah i have not drawn a paddock truck but i have seen them at the clifford show
0: yeah they're they're pretty sharp hey eh? and the, they have a very unique color scheme and uh, it's been the same since like the late 1970s they're sort of like a a legacy small did i freak you carrier. out when i said
1: that did you wonder how i knew who you no. worked for no 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 no, no.
0: <laughs> not at all um they're, yeah they're rep- i see
1: their trucks down here even occasionally Their
0: reputation precedes them my dad still drives mm-hmm. for them I, I worked for them for many years that's where i got my start when i was a kid i uh i washed trucks Helped the mechanics. Worked in their body shops. Sandblasted trailers. Replaced uh, flatbed deck boards. When I was 16, one summer. That's all I did. I fixed like 25 different flatbeds. I, I got sick of drilling and putting new screws <laughs> in. And... But yeah, the the cab over thing between Europe and the U.S. and America, like there's a there's a thing here where drivers sort of think they're unsafe. Like if you ever get in a collision, you're the first one there i delete
1: those comments on youtube i'm so sick of those like just don't get don't hit anything
0: (laughs) yeah well sitting behind the engine is only gonna buy you a couple extra more seconds or half a second or something right and if
1: your truck is on fire you have problems no matter where the engine is yeah exactly
0: (laughs) and so there's this everybody here kind of assumes that cab overs are a European thing because they've kind of been dying off here even though you know in the 70s and 80s cab overs were probably still like half the trucks on the road maybe maybe more. Mm-hmm. And um I, I'm just curious like what's the breakdown on all of the drawings you do um cab over versus conventional?
1: I never thought of that. That's a really good question. So I made a I made a poster that I never actually made. Like I designed it, but I never printed it. Of the first like couple hundred trucks that I drew, however many fit, they were each really small. So that would be a good way for me to go back and count them. I'll have to get back to you on that. But I have drawn a lot of K100s. I will say that um, lots and lots of them. But probably, I would probably say two-thirds conventionals is my guess. One-third cab-overs.
0: Right. Probably. And, and in your uh, travels <clears throat> and dealings with ATHS, given that cab-overs were a much bigger deal in the past, there's a lot of older cab-over trucks still kicking around, still doing like the show circuit.
1: Mm -hmm, for sure
0: tends to be sort of older guys that are into them as well
1: well i don't know there are more younger kids who are actually getting into cab overs right now too there's like a surprising number of guys in their 20s who are looking for cab overs um i mean people want older trucks right now just so they can avoid e-logs right and all that well i I
0: get the whole e-log thing and the emissions mandate thing and you know i i have to wonder how long and until our overlords just declare all those trucks non grata period. And you know, any Mm -hmm. effort we might put into that gets sort of swept away, but I think it's, I I don't think it's all just avoiding the ELD mandate and old emission systems. I think there's an aesthetic draw to having an older truck that you worked on yourself that speaks to something kind of lost in Mm -hmm. culture in America and Canada and that like, there's, you, you know how, if you look at copy for, you know, any person offering a truck service, whether it be like lawyers, accountants, you know, uh, oversized load permit services, anyone doing anything for the trucking business, usually they're like their website, their company's logo, the design, their t-shirts, everything will have like a classic sort of ca- conventional Looking truck, right? Like everybody understands that—that's what trucks are meant to look. That's like. what people
1: like. I feel like you are really, really observant, and I'm feeling like an unobservant person by a lot of the observations you have pointed out to me today.
0: <laughs> well, you know, this is what happens when you're on the road and you got too much time in your own head, um, as, that's as my true. aunt would put it. But like for real though like when everybody understands that that's how we associate trucks with that right. particular image but then the flip side of that is all the newer trucks none of them look like that anymore right it's just like weird right. dichotomy and the, the the younger guys that understand this the, the older trucks speak to them and they want to have that older equipment right cuz that's how they understand what it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be the new beige aerodynamic bug mobiles,
1: right? Nostalgia and maybe hearing stories from their, their parents or grandparents. And I'm glad to know that there are people who are still interested in and in fixing up old trucks because you're very right. It is pretty boring to just see the same things on the road all the time. A bunch of white and maybe occasionally a lot, a lot of blue blue trucks that all look the same
0: well you know what's, it's fair you know what's funny is um you uh may, may, may i notice something about your appearance you you've changed your <laughs> hair since matt's i think at matt's i just didn't like, curl du- it okay <laughs> uh, yeah matt's your hair was a lot curlier and you certainly stood out which is like <laughs> you know like y- you understand the importance of aesthetics like and like your customer base understands that the people that want you to do these drawings everybody you met at aths and like i i don't want to be like mr longing for the past or anything but like <coughs> aesthetics is important
1: right, right? that's like, very true
0: it, it and it and it cuts across all different avenues right and
1: and like, you have to stand out right it's boring to be boring isn't it Right. Exactly. Yeah. I think we're both a little bit extroverted, maybe introverted people like being boring. I don't know. That's on them. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't know. It's I mean, it's also something to do with taking pride in your and what you own or what you drive. And maybe because there are so many fewer owner operators now because it's been made so tough for them to be owner operators and be able to have their own aesthetics obviously integrated into their drive and their in their ride and be proud of what they have now it's just a bunch of big huge fleets trying to destroy everything and make everyone in their swim around in the ugly pea soup of the highway
0: yeah i i'm not quite (laughs) sure who's all to blame for that usually it comes down to the you know government mandates and then economies of scale right like if if the government tells the truck manufacturers we expect this this and this and then you know uh, daimler benz is like okay cool i'm going to make however many thousands of freight liners then they just all kind of have to look the same you get economies but of the, scale
1: and then the big fleets are the ones beating down laws for like regulating speed limits and all of that nonsense because the smaller fleets who could have faster nicer prettier trucks didn't have to what charge the outrageous rates of big huge companies so they cut down on their expenses and they can pay people less and they can charge people less so now they're yeah beating down all the little people little companies
0: and you're speaking to a phenomenon called regulatory capture where um, large players in a market will actually back the government in its pursuit of heavily regulating something, because with their size, with their economics of scale, they can afford to comply, and they know that their competitors are going to have a tougher time with the mm-hmm. cost of compliance. Yeah, and that's and, called
1: being a crappy person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. that's, that's, that's mean. The,
0: that's a diplomatic way of putting it. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> right. So you're getting, you're picking up what I'm putting down about aesthetics. So, I'm, I'm assuming you don't get too many commissions to, like, paint Volvo or, like, uh, you know... Like- I
1: don't think I have ever drawn a Volvo. I don't think. In 300 and some trucks.
0: And no disrespect to Volvo. Like, I'm sure they go up and down the road, they move things, they work to a point. They're just not that much to look at, right?
1: Well, it's the pride in your ride thing. So, are the people who are driving them... Proud of their truck enough to be putting it on the wall above their fireplace.
0: (laughs) Maybe not. Oh, that reminds me. Did you have, so, um, truck decorations. There's a little thing that like, even some Volvo drivers do, which I think is a, uh, I think it came from France, but the Quebec, a lot of guys in Quebec do this. They have the, um, they have, like, a um, a little Michelin tire man guy, like, on the mirrors or the air intakes or, like, otherwise mounted, I like, f- above the cab. Have you seen that? I, f-
1: I feel like I was told that's a thing from the 70s, and I have seen it once on a truck in Toronto in November last year. It was a cab over. Was it? I think it was a K100, and it was all dolled up and all this. I mean, it was... It was relatively rough, but it clearly had been well-loved at some point, and it had little Michelin men on it.
0: Right. although well, the Michelin so. men thing is a very – it's usually the Quebecers that do that, and I have seen uh, Quebecer Volvos with the Michelin men. So, like, there's some of those guys out there that are still trying to stand out or do something interesting, mm-hmm. so fair play to them.
1: Right, yes. What What took you to Anything Toronto? Takes- um, I was there – uh, visiting with a friend from England because it's like $300 cheaper to fly there than it is to Detroit, which is my closest international airport. So we met halfway. <laughs> I mean, not halfway. I mean, I drove five hours and she flew seven hours, maybe. But yeah. Uh,
0: so do you still maintain pretty close contact with folks in the UK?
1: Yeah, she's one of my best friends. We still talk pretty often. And, uh, last time we visited, over here was in new york city and i've gone back there a few times um but yeah a few friends have come here to ohio um i've met other ones in new york too so yeah we stay in touch
0: so how do you find um the question i'm about to ask is based on a broad sweeping generalized assumption that's got its obvious exceptions but like being an artist and a musician And then you have the sort of world of trucking, you know, there's lots of like guys in trucking that are like also country music artists and they play guitar and there's all sorts of musical people around, but like, generally speaking, trucking's a, leans a bit conservative culturally. So like, sort of, how do you, how do you find, you know, um, being your sort of artistic background and then rolling with like a, a somewhat conservative culture?
1: I am so glad that you asked this, and that you are asking it now, because I totally forgot this was one of the ideas you had as a question, and I love it. So the short answer is, it's I go to truck shows, and you go there to talk about trucks, not to talk about politics. And well, I, don't mean, I, don't, I don't mean yeah, I don't conservative politically, I know, but, like, but like I know, but anything that's anything that's. Um, different from whatever i would just walk away obviously but i mean i come from a background of if you asked me what kind of music i would i like as a music student i would say i will listen to anything at all except rap and country so my <laughs> taste in music has has changed I won't say dramatically, but I am much more willing to listen to more stuff now. I have friends who are country music people. Um, like I always say hi to Tony Justice when we're at shows, or um, uh, Long Haul Paul lives not too far away from me. So I see him around shows here. But like, well, Long Haul Paul country called music. me
0: this morning while I was making breakfast for my kids. <laughs> I was supposed to call him back today. I forgot to call him back too. And then I was late getting you on the zoom here oh i'm just falling there's
1: your reminder it's all good (laughs) i'm sure you won't hold it against you um but no I'm, i'm much more willing to listen to different things now and uh i have had my eyes opened in some ways by entering this world and i hope that i have helped open the eyes of some other people too like i know I knew getting into this specializing in drawing trucks was not going to be the easiest exactly because I'm, I'm teaching a lot of people who probably don't have much fine art experience, professional fine art experience or talking to an artist about commissioning work. That's new stuff for a lot of these people. Right. So I have been very patient in how I've, I hope I've been very patient and how I've taught people about art. Um, And flexible with what they want, because, I mean, again, it's not like drawing people. It's sort of like drawing people, but, like, I have to be super duper precise. If I forget something, they'll notice that it's missing, etc. And I've had to learn what these things are, so I know that they have to be in the drawing. I've learned what can be included, or has to be included, and what I can sort of isn't so important, necessarily.
0: Don't forget those air cleaners. (laughs)
1: well what i'm doing right now as it's in front of me almost finished is the first drawing i've done in colored pencil at night or at dusk so the lights are on on the truck and the truck is white so i drew it on white paper which white on white isn't necessarily a problem but then how do i make it look like the lights are all really on I wasn't going to give it a background, and now I've had to to darken everything. So there's a learning curve for me too. And it's it's pretty cool. I'm happy with how it is. It's not quite done, but soon.
0: I was gonna say there's there's a lot of there's a lot of chicken haulers out there that have refrigerated trailers with like a million lights down the top, the bottom along the back. How how often do you get commissioned to do a truck and trailer combo?
1: Uh pretty often. Uh let's see. It's a lot of bobtails, but maybe, I don't know, at least a quarter, maybe a third of what I've done is with, probably a third or more of what I've done is with trailers. This is a bobtail, but I've done a lot in both varieties. Yeah. Cattle trailers are really hard.
0: (laughs) Well, there's the, the, the detail on them because of all the holes in the side, right?
1: It sucks um,
0: yeah well just wait until you know uh, my show is syndicated in australia these guys started their own um truckers radio thing and they have like an app you can put it on your phone and they got music and stuff and they asked me if they could use my show as content and i just gave it to them sure because why not
1: awesome and, so it's like uh, 24 hours truck content yeah sort of thing yeah wow
0: yeah, yeah, the Australian on the road. It was started out as a podcast, these guys, um, Mike and uh Yogi.
1: Oh, I met them at
0: Matt's. Yeah, Yogi was there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, where I was going with that is if you get a commission from Australia, you're gonna get like you're gonna have to do three trailers. You might have to renegotiate your <laughs>
1: race. Well, I will let all of my Australian followers with your land trains know that I do have a, a like how long is a, a 40 foot long roll of paper sitting behind me? So I could almost draw like life-size sort of things too. Right. <laughs> yeah.
0: Very good. I haven't
1: used that roll of paper yet, but yeah, I have Very high good. hopes.
0: It's, it's interesting too. How like the, the, the trucking world is so small in a way, even though there's uh, millions of trucks on the road in the US, I think there's three and a half million jobs in the United States that require a CDL some of them aren't necessarily trucking. A lot of them are local and there's, I, I think they estimate there's 1.8 million long haul truckers in the U S but it still feels like something of a small community at times.
1: It does. It does. But maybe that again comes back to the ones who are proud of what they do. And it's not just a job, but it's more of their lifestyle, right? So. Yeah.
0: A, a lifestyle and identity, a culture that they're uh, very, very much attached to. I, th- I think that's well, probably
1: a good thing. There are 1.8 million trucking podcasts. What
0: I'm saying, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> I mean, there, there's a few of them. One of the, you know, one of the funny things I found after I, I I'd never been to Matt's before and I don't really, I'm a very, I'm a very busy working parent, right? Like I work, you know, 55, 60, 70 hours a week. Sometimes my wife's a teacher. I have a five-year-old daughter, a three-year-old daughter. Like I'm busy. I do not have time to watch YouTube videos. I don't i I was on Facebook for many years, which left a bad taste in my mouth, so I'm not really a big social media guy i I have a Twitter account mostly for pimping my writing, so i don't I don't know about a lot of social media world. Yeah, that person's got eight hundred thousand followers, and I'm like, Who's that? Like I have no idea, you know. It's just, it's just. I've of,
1: experienced that too, and just, I feel bad when that happens.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, it's just like there's, there's, there's this whole world out there that's part of my world that I don't even know about.
1: You know, <laughs> that's very true, but I don't blame you.
0: Okay. Yeah, stay, stay out of it. Yeah, <laughs> stay out of it. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah,
1: it's. I I don't watch other YouTube videos, really. I don't have time because, I mean, I have 25 piano students and I could easily double or triple that if I had the time in my life. And it's basically I talk the whole lesson because there are a lot of little kids, right? They play, but a lot of talking. So um, when I'm not doing that, I'm sitting here drawing or editing YouTube videos or preparing for lessons or like active in the group of other teachers here in town Um, yeah, so it's, I get it completely. It's a time thing. Like I'm lucky to have enough time to take care of myself.
0: Well, uh, on that note, thank you for giving me and my listeners this time to tell us uh, a little bit about yourself and and your drawing and your experience in trucking and with truckers, uh, and especially the American truck historical society. I really like those guys. I like, um, I I like that there's this group out there trying to, you know, maintain, that culture uh maintain the aesthetics of old tracks you know this is something that like sh- shouldn't just be forgotten and, and and swept away under you know our new uh beige aerodynamic sameness <laughs> uh i i really i really dig it so um tell everybody where they can find you all the, all your different social media websites uh tell, where, where, where do folks find you
1: My website is www.missflatbed.red. There's no .com in there. And then I have Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. And if you just search Miss Flatbed Red, you'll find me on all of those places also. So, yes.
0: Awesome. And you, I remember at Matt's, you had like postcards and stickers. Like you don't just have full on wall mount drawings, right?
1: Right, so you don't just have to come to me to commission artwork. I also have um, t-shirts and hoodies. I just have a couple designs right now because space is limited in my studio. Prints, greeting cards. I do a run of calendars every year, um, late in the fall, December. Uh, Coloring books, I still have some of those left. I want to make a new one here soon. I have been planning a children's book for years. I just need to sit down and illustrate it. But yeah, that's all the stuff that's available and hats right now. That's what's in my shop.
0: Awesome, There's plenty of things. So a lot, lot, yeah, lots of lots of like gifts and stocking stuffers. I mean, Christmas is will be. I mean, it's only May, but you know, uh, <laughs> it'll be
1: here soon. <laughs> yeah,
0: t- t- time flies. When Unfortunately, you're having, time flies when you're having fun and when you're very getting busy. Old. Being, getting old. Getting <laughs> old, but also also being busy, being productive as you are.
1: That's true. Yeah. I really,
0: I really dig your work and I'm going to encourage everybody to go and check out your stuff. Your website's awesome. Your gallery of all of your work is amazing. Uh, I, I highly encourage everyone to go check it out and, you know, uh, buy some stickers, buy commission a drawing. I'm going to, I'm going to get you to do one for me. I have to, Thank you. <laughs> I just have to. Well, I want to get, like, my wife's school where she teaches, so I'm going to, like, have a little family. There probably won't be any truck in it. It'll probably just be, like, me and my wife and my kids in front of her school. That's kind of where we're at now.
1: That's Um, pretty cool, though. I like uh, it.
0: I haven't quite worked out all the details yet, but, yeah, everybody, get get Flatbed Red to make a drawing for you. She's excellent in super high-quality stuff. Go check her out. Thanks for listening. Any parting thoughts?
1: um i really enjoyed this that time flew by that was great thank you that's all i can say (laughs) all
0: right well well thank you miss flatbed red and um yeah way of the road